A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to the Capital Club Podcast. I'm your host, Brian C. Adams. Tune in weekly to hear from top industry leaders as we discuss relevant topics in the world of business, investing, health and wellness, geopolitics, and more. To learn more about the show, visit ExcelsiorGP.com slash podcast. Hello and welcome to the Capital Club Podcast. Today with me an old friend, Reed Kaler. Reed has spent the last 15 years in startups and turnaround across various industries, and his passion always comes back to one thing developing people personally and professionally within his companies. Reed, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brian. I'm looking forward to it. So you're somebody that I've known for a number of years. You've been through your own journey, trials, tribulations. You kind of came back on my radar post-COVID. You got into a different business than you were in before. But would it be accurate to describe you as an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur? Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And some of the, a lot of the business I've been in, I haven't started myself. Some of them I have, but you know, my background over the last 15 years, just for the listeners is that I have either worked with startups or turned around to underperforming companies and, you know, all across different industries that you're aware of, but yeah, they all have very similar problems as far as people process and products. So yeah, it's been an interesting journey, but a fun one. And Talk more about that, those three P's that you referenced. Are, is that, has that been consistent across your experiences, be it with no matter the industry or the kind of life stage of the company? It has. Yeah. When I go into a company and when I become involved in whatever level that may be, those are the three things I focus on, people, product, and processes. And truth be told, my emphasis on each of those, Brian, has shifted over the last few years. When I say over the last few years, maybe the last five, six, seven years. And I'd say that because early on in my journey, I used to focus on processes and products primarily and put a lot of emphasis on those things. And that's since transitioned. And I think this is kind of part of my personal journey that I, I carry over into the business that since transitioned into focusing more on the people side of the business. And it's funny, it's interesting, and we'll get a little bit more in depth here, but Regardless of industry, and I've been involved in tech businesses, I've been involved in CPG, the auto industry, as a matter of fact, health and wellness in the vitamin and supplement space. Regardless of the industry, if you can put the people first and kind of help develop the people, that's amazing what you can get done. 
I mean, that's a pretty easy segue for me to to tee up what you're doing now. But would you kind of describe why you left the operating company space and and got into like business coaching or CEO advisory work? Yeah, absolutely. And it's yeah, great transition. So after doing this with it with several businesses and going into several companies, I took a step back earlier this year and kind of did a little introspective look and and looked back and said, what do I enjoy the most? What, what, what's most fulfilling out of everything I've done over the last few years, the last decade and a half, I should say. And there's been a lot of cool things. Don't get me wrong. It's been awesome. And I've been beyond blessed for the opportunities. And there's been some really cool news headlines that we've made. There's been some cool financial accolades. A lot of these are the things that when people think about business and growing companies and turning around companies that people would look at from an ex- external point of view and look at it and say, wow, that's really cool. And it was, and it's great. But when I took that step back myself earlier this year and kind of thought about it, and it's the thing that I personally have gotten the most out of it. And the thing that I'll continue to talk about and continues to drive me is the people development, the personnel development through all those experiences. You know, the fact that I still have, and this isn't a me thing, I'm just saying in general, the fact that Years later, people I used to work with five, six, seven, eight, ten years ago will call me out of the blue now and say, Hey, Reed, I have this question. There's this thing I'm going through in life, personal, professional, financial, health, whatever the case may be. Can I get some of your time? Can we talk through this? Can you help me out? That means more to me than any anything else. And so with that being said, and taking that perspective and that look at it, I said, okay, maybe let's see what we can do here on a little bit of a larger scale to help build into people and get them to live, you know, lives of their potential, if if you will. And it's been very fulfilling and rewarding. I think it's a testament to the fact that, you know, a lot of these companies, including the ones that I've been involved with over the years, I mean, you're selling a widget at the end of the day, and there's probably a lot of competition and the fact patterns are all fairly similar, but it really does come down to like your the personnel and the human capital and the personal brand that you carry with you. But the flip side of that is those people who seem to be successful also have their own kind of similar challenges. And I think it speaks to your ability to be a mentor to them that they'd be willing to reach out to you because no matter the culture of the company, I think it's still really hard for people to get personal a lot of these firms today it is it is and that's a great point you make and i'm going to say something here and and, and probably a lot of what i say today is going to seem overly simplified and people might take it that way and truth be told that's intentional um i like to deliver what i meet with people and even with my clients very practical information not over the head information with that being said one of the things that is unfortunately you don't see very often is you have to care. You have to truly care about both yourself and about other people. And I'd say that, Brian, again, it sounds overly simplified, but what happens in business a lot of times that I'll see that I notice when I come in and look at something from the outside is that the more constraints there are in the business, the harder the business gets, the more pressure there is on the business. Maybe it's a company that's you know, trying to grow at, an, at, at a particular multiple. Maybe they have investors that are kind of breathing down their neck. The more pressure that 
pressure from the top gets translated all the way down to the bottom. When in reality, that kind of needs to be flipped. You need to, if you are the leader of the organization, you need to take that pressure, unfortunately, but you do take that pressure, absorb it, translate it, and then care and positively impact the rest of the organization, not continue that pressure down. So again, it sounds overly simplified, but if you truly care about the people that you're working with, it's amazing what you can get done there. And I'll say this, one thing, one thing I've noticed too, and not to go on about this, but is that most organizations will think that, and this is statistically proven, most organizations will think that, hey, I'm getting 90 to 100% efficiency out of my people. We're working hard, we're grinding, you know, all these adjectives and you hear, but nowadays in cliche words, I'll say, we're grinding and we're putting in the hours and we're busy and that all you hear it all the time. Truth be told, statistically speaking, we're getting about 60% productivity out of our teams. So if you can take that, it's impossible to get 100. If you can take that 60%, and you can build into your team and take that to, let's say, 70, 75%. Imagine what that can do to any organization. You know, if I can get 10% more productivity out of my entire team across the board, there's a lot that can get done there. And it falls to the bottom line, too, because business is about numbers at the end of the day. And you contend that it's the soft touch qualitative leadership components that can get you that extra decile of productivity? I truly do think so. And that's true. If you would have asked me that exact same question 10 years ago, I would have had a 180 degree different answer about it. And I'm willing to admit that now. I'm embarrassed by it, but it's the truth. 10 years ago, I was focused on the business. And I mentioned that at the beginning, the business and the business alone. I was focused on moving the needle. What can we get done? And that was at the expense of a lot of things. You know, myself, I was working late. I had nights where I literally slept at the office because I was there late and I wanted to be there the, early the next morning. It wasn't worth my drive home. All these things, it was at the expense. What I've come to find out and come to realize and learn over the years is that build it, the, the soft touches that you talked about. If someone comes to me and we have a conversation about their personal life, and this is what I do now you know, in the coaching, the personal development, if someone has a struggle in their personal life, and that could be financial it could be relational it could be health it could be a whole host of things it could just be that week you know we all have kids and kids are going every different direction it's like oh my gosh i don't know how to manage this schedule in sports and if you can help them manage through something that has nothing to do with their work that's going to translate back into the workplace so don't try and separate i would invite everybody don't try and separate those two things how we operate outside of work is also how we operate inside work and you know, a rising tide raises all ships. Yeah, it's, you know, I've had some people on the show and within financial service, professional services, especially, I can't remember the exact metric, but the vast majority of current workers, people in their 30s and 40s, I think are taking care of, you know, at a minimum three generations these days, right? They're taking care of probably the generation above them, their parents, a spouse, as well as children. And, you know, in America's culture of, of work, it, it does seem kind of silly that we have oftentimes this hard cutoff between what qualifies as working and not working when it seems pretty you know reasonable to me that if you're not enjoying your home life, you're not going to show up for your work life very mm-hmm. well. Absolutely. But it's it, not, it's not, we're not, we don't talk about that at work, or at least in a safe place. We don't create that space often. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Brian. And again, if 
I'm going to use something you just said to, I'm going to, to go simple about this. Every person has, and this is just how I kind of break it down. Everybody has a hundred units of energy that they can expend in a day's time. That's it. We have a hundred, everybody's energy is a little bit different, but we have a hundred units of energy. If we take what you just said, and some of our energy is going to the generation above us, some of our energy has to go towards ourselves. Some of our energy has to go towards our children. Some of our energy has to go towards work. All of a sudden, when we break this apart, it's getting stretched pretty thin, right? So how can we kind of focus on, so it would be unfair for the business place to say, hey, I need more units of energy and focus more of it here, right? If we can kind of help spread that out a little bit, then all of a sudden it's going to translate on its own. Yeah. So let's get a little bit deeper into the work you're doing today. Are you work, are, do individuals reach out to you and say, hey, Reed, I need your help. I want you to be my coach, my personal business consigliere. Or is it corporations, bigger companies bring you in to help present to their entire workforce or their C-suite? How does it actually work for you? Great question. I'd say it's about 70-30. 70% individuals, 30% work for companies and corporations. On the 30% the companies and corporations, which I do love doing, I'll go in and work with their emerging leaders. That's kind of both from a mindset thing as well as a tactical and practical uh, standpoint. And then the 70%, which is on individuals, people will come. And Brian, it ranges anywhere from, you know, executives, owners, and leaders of companies to people who are, you know, let's just call it middle management, trying to accelerate their careers. But the interesting thing is usually we will get in contact with each other and they will come to me for a professional to work on the professional side of their lives, right? I feel I've reached a plateau. I want to achieve this. Whatever the case may be, you can fill in the blank on the professional side. Very quickly, we start not dissimilar from the rest of this conversation. Very quickly, we get into the personal side. And then oftentimes it's funny. It depends on who it is, but oftentimes I'll start asking about the personal side that some people might be a little apprehensive. They're like, well, why are you asking me about my personal life and my health and my relationships when I'm wanting to, you know, move from middle management to upper management. Well, they're all, it, it all translates, right? And yeah, that's kind of the theme that we're talking about today is that it all translates. And I'll give you a quick example, Brian. I had someone come to me earlier this year, uh, Q2 of this year, and we got to working together a little bit, similar thing, middle management, and we got to working on this person's health. Well, this person, I'm just going to use them as an example. This person ended up losing 22 pounds in five weeks. Now, I can say that Whoa. to anybody, and regardless if you know this person or not, or what they do for a living, or what industry they're in, or anything like that, you wouldn't be able to say, hey, this person took charge of their health, lost 22 pounds in five weeks, That and can't say that won't translate into other areas of their lives, including their relationships, their job, and elsewhere, you know? So, so it's just fun to work on kind of an all-around, you know, all-around person. And I do all this, you know, people might ask the question, well, why are you qualified to do this? From a certification level, I'm not. From an experience and practical level, I am. I've done this. I've walked that walk. I've led businesses, led companies. I've led them, as I mentioned early, poorly, focusing on the business and the business alone. I went through a personal development journey on my own starting about seven years ago that has completely changed my life. And I am now able to lead companies, organizations with that mindset and also lead individuals with that mindset. So on the corporate side, when you get one of those engagements and you're trying to help these emerging leaders, 
what is the mandate? I mean, what do you when you go in there and you look under the hood, what are you seeing with maybe a is there a disconnect between kind of the corporate leadership directive versus what these emerging leaders need or want? Yeah, great question. So what I see a lot of times, what I see a lot of times is people who are in, let's just say they're in middle management, emerging leaders, right? Within the next, call it two to five years, they want to be upper management or upper leadership within their organization. And these are usually pretty good sized organizations. What I see a lot of times is these people, these individuals, and they might be, let's call them in their upper 20s to mid 30s, are trying to become somebody else. They're trying to become, emulate and act like their leader. Okay. And that might be from a communication standpoint, a management standpoint, anything like that. Well, it's very difficult. And I use a lot of sports analogies, so I'll use them in here too. It's very difficult to become someone else. We can tweak ourselves for sure. We can absolutely tweak ourselves. We can become better. None of us are operating at our full potential. And I'll say that about, about my, myself first and foremost. But what I do is I tell them, I, we, we don't want to change you. We want to tweak you. Okay. Now I'm going to use a little bit of a sports analogy, kind of a practical. If someone were to go in and try to change Tom Brady, let's use him as an example, right? Everybody's familiar with him. It would not have worked out. You aren't going to change him and say, hey, look, you are this quarterback. I need you to become this quarterback. It's not going to work out. What he did every year for his 20 plus seasons in the NFL, and he did it as well, if not better than anybody, is he tweaked who he was. Every single year and throughout the year, he would tweak his throwing motion, his timing, his footwork, just these things. But at the core, he remained himself. He wasn't trying to become a running quarterback, a Lamar Jackson, somebody like that. And I apologize for the sports analogy, but they resonate with a lot of people. So what I would, what I invite people to do is say, hey, look, this is who you are. We understand this. This is the type of person you are. Some people are more introverted. Some people are more extroverted. Some people uh, like to be micromanaged. Some people don't. These things. So, so let's take who we are already and we'll build on that. Let's not try and build on something else, right? Exceptional family offices, family enterprises, wealth management, and financial services organizations require superior leadership to successfully thrive in today's competitive environment. Building a team of talented leaders is a complex challenge that is best accomplished in partnership with a firm that offers a proven track record of success, which is why I'd like to introduce you to our new sponsor, Mac International. Mac International is recognized as the premier boutique firm that specializes in providing retained executive search and strategic human capital consulting solutions to single and multi-client family offices, family enterprises, and the full spectrum of wealth management advisory, investment management, and financial services firms that serve ultra-high net private investors and family offices on a national and international basis. If you're interested in learning more about Mac International, visit their website at macinternational.com. So as it relates to the work you do with individuals, do you find that a lot of people, when they go to work, they put on a mask and a costume in an effort to achieve? Absolutely. Yes, I do. And it's, you know, you see it all the time. It's the world we're living in now, the digital world. And there's a lot of positives to it. So I don't want to be negative on it. But you have to be careful with how you do it. This world we live in with social media, whether from people on a personal side like Instagram, uh, TikTok, Facebook, or professional side, LinkedIn even, you know, on the professional side, we compare human nature. We compare our worst to everybody else's best. 
we see someone else in a certain job, a certain position, they got a promotion, this and that. We don't know the backstory behind that. We don't know what they go through every day, the hardships that they're going through. All we're doing is we're looking at their accolades and we're looking at our worst days, right? We had a tough week last week. It, you know, we lost a sale, we lost a client, whatever the case, our, our boss got on, onto us, whatever the case may be, we're comparing our worst to everybody else's best. And what that's doing, Brian, that I've seen, again, just speaking from experience, is it does this full circle where when we do that and we think that everybody else is living this picture-perfect life, it keeps us from wanting and feeling comfortable to open up about what's hard in our lives, right? The mindset is if everybody else is doing so well and everything is going so well for them, they're going on these vacations, their family, everything's picture-perfect, their job. Who am I to come in and talk about the struggles in my life? No one wants to hear about that. They can't relate to me, but that's not the truth. It's just what we've conditioned ourselves to become. Yeah. There's a YPO protocol. We call them heart warmers, not icebreakers. We, you know, but or if you're talking to somebody that you know decently well, maybe you work together, but you want to take it to the next level and you want to deepen the conversation and say, well, what are the two best things going on in your life and, and the two hardest things going on in your life right now? And it's remarkable what you'll hear from people if they're mm -hmm. being like even halfway honest with you on the two challenging parts of their life. But we don't really tend to go there. We don't feel comfortable doing that for the most part. No, I, I've never heard that, but I actually really like that. And what you're doing, what I just talked about earlier was the human feeling comfortable opening up. What you just explained is giving someone else the space to become vulnerable and asking them to open up, which is, there's a tremendous amount of value in that. I, I think that's really neat. And, you know, I would venture to guess the majority of your individual clients are men. And we certainly don't want to exclude women from the conversation, but we've kind of, before we went live, talked about how the majority of your experience has been working with other men. Why do you think it is in particular, men of our generational cohort, so kind of millennials, have so much trouble being honest with that question. Hey, and I'm glad you brought that up. Yes, the majority of my clients are men, not for any particular reason, but they are. I think that just speaking historically, now obviously there's, a, there's been a shift over this, which is fantastic. There's a, a tremendous amount of female leaders, emerging female leaders coming up. I see, you know, I'm here in Nashville and I see it all the time and it's fantastic. I absolutely love it. I also think that there's historically there's a pressure on men to perform and provide within their families. And, you know, over the dynamic of the last, let's just call it the last three or four years that everybody is aware of, that has added a lot of pressure onto men and, or excuse me, it's had a lot of pressure onto people, but men have two things. One, men have absorbed that a lot. And two, men are not as open typically as women are in talking with their friends, reaching out, asking for help, asking for counsel. And, and I'm a huge victim of that myself. So, so I'm speaking from experience, but men typically don't open up. And Brian, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to bring this up in a negative standpoint, but I, but it is an important factor. And it's what we're talking about here is one of the reasons that as we sit here today, adult male suicide is at an all time high and, and it's a horrible thing, but it just goes to show that you know, men need to open up too. men need to a place to be able to vent. And that can be with friends. It can be with a spouse. It can be with parents. 
there's a lot of different outlets for that. It can be with, you know, through therapy. There's a lot of different outlets, but it is very important for men to open up. I'll give you an example on this, a real life example. Just two weeks ago, I was on a men's retreat, 35 men. We were there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so three days, two and a half days. And these men, we were, I don't say we were all strangers. Maybe you knew one or two of the people in the group, but for the most part, you didn't know the other 35 men. And this ranged from owners of organizations who were doing very, very well to, you know, people who were just getting started in their careers. This ranged to people with families, to people without families. There was a whole different whole spectrum within this. Within that, those two and a half days, each of those 35 men ended up opening up tremendously to the other 34 men. And it was a very, some were a little bit more apprehensive and it might've taken them two days to open up and that's okay. But it was a very freeing for everybody. It was very freeing to be able to do that. And then, you know, all of a sudden you realize, hey, look, what I'm dealing with and what I came in here with, everybody else is working with too. You know, and I thought about that when you mentioned the YPO example, I would bet there's a lot of times when someone mentions the two things that are the biggest challenges in their lives, a lot of other people in that room have those same challenges. Yeah, I mean, I, I think because we do it so infrequently, and by that I mean men being vulnerable and open and transparent with their emotions and feelings, when you can get there and you do have a real conversation with a peer, that realization that they're going through a similar struggle as you can be really eye-opening and reinforcing in terms of hopefully getting more of those conversations under your belt. But I think for the majority of high achievers who are men, they probably spend 90% plus of their day thinking like they're alone, right? And you and I talked about how loneliness is a huge challenge, especially in a world where we seem to be connected with a lot of people, or if you're in a, a business role, you know, you think you're around colleagues or you're going to conferences or you have a lot of connections on LinkedIn. But if you were to ask like, hey, who are your three closest friends? I bet those people, those guys on the on your trip, I bet they would really struggle to name two or three people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the experiences you just gave about the conferences and the meetings and this and that, look at your relationships in two different ways, transactional versus relational, you know? Now, I have a lot of relationships with people I do business with, but th at the end of the day, truth be told, those are built on transactions, right? And if you can translate that, it, who, so, so to your point, who are your relationships? Who do you, who's, who's relational to you? Those are two different silos for sure. Yeah. My, my therapist says, you know, when we talk about somebody, I'll reference somebody in my life and they'll say, are they a deal friend or a real friend? <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> And a lot of times there's, but it's been helpful for me to compartmentalize people because you don't have a weird expectation from a deal friend to be a real friend, right? So I think it's helpful in my own mind to, to ascribe, uh, you know, nomenclature to them. But it's also eye-opening that I don't think a lot of men spend the time. And to your point, to kind of bring this full circle, it makes sense if you're a business owner and you're going to get more productivity and value out of an employee if they have a robust personal and social and family life as opposed to just being a worker drone. I think you can only do that, and you've been in the business a long time, 
I think you can do that for three to five years and like sprint. But over time, I think things like fall apart in some aspect of your family. It's very hard to maintain that long term and still be a functioning human. It is very hard. It is very hard. And we try it. I, I, I can say it's very hard because I've done that. I did that for the first, first, you know, seven years of my professional career. Absolutely. And you put on this persona, you put on this, you know, when you go out to dinners or events or whatever, you put on this persona of that's who I am. And that, you know, I've talked about this a lot. I used to be, if someone 10 years ago would ask me, Reed, who are you? My answer would have been, I am insert, you know, job title, founder, CEO, general manager. I would have with XYZ company. That's why I was my title with this company. Now, if you ask me who I am, I'm, you know, a faithful father of three. It's it's transitioned and I don't have to worry about that persona anymore, that pressure coming home with me. Yeah. And so <laughs> how much of the work on the individual side do you do with these guys that's just helping them form some type of self-identity or self-actualization? A lot. A lot. We set, it, it's That kind of sets a lot of the foundation of what we want to build on. I don't just want to get into when we start conversations, I don't just want to get, because all of a sudden, guess what? I become, you know, I become a transactional friend, if you will, that you were talking about it. That's what we do. I don't want to just get into conversations and say, hey, what are you doing day to day? What are you doing from eight to five? Because if we focus on that, then it's not going to prove anything. We build a foundation. And, the, and what I what we do is we talk about fast forward five years and 10 years. I know a lot of people do this and create game plans professionally. You know, that's where, well, let's back up a little bit, Brian. The, we as humans focus a tremendous amount on our professional and our financial lives as we need to because it's how we survive. So, so there is an importance there. I don't want to dismiss that. But what we do is a lot of times when we map out a year, when we map out five years of where I want to be, a lot of those same things are financial. It, has anybody ever looked back or how often do you look back and say, where do I want to be with my marriage in five years? Where do I want to be with my kids in five years? Where do I want to be with my own health in five years? We don't do that as often on a personal side as we do a professional side. What we do is we say, hey, look, if I can go from middle management to this executive and I can go from making you know, X to X times three in the next five years, then everything else will fall into place. Well, it doesn't. You know, and I think that's a little bit of the full circle, a little bit of the spiral that we've come to see. So, yeah, I like to talk to people and say, hey, look, let's let's get off of work for a little bit. Let's get our mind off of that. Where do you want, you know, you've been married three years. I'm just making this up. Where do you see your relationship on your 10 year anniversary? What do you want that to look like? You're you have two two young kids. Where what do you what do you want your relationship with your kids to be like? Where do you see them in in five, six, seven years? You know, and all of a sudden that gives us kind of a platform and a foundation to build on. And what was your own realization on your own self-work that got you to that place? Was there a critical moment? Was it like a melting ice cube that just kind of over time developed? It was a melting ice cube. Great way to put it. At the time when I began my journey, I was with, we were with a, it was a great organization. We were, the, you know, made the ink. 500 fastest growing companies list. You know, we raised a lot of VC, made a lot of headlines. It was a very fun experience, great experience, grew a great, built a great company. 
but it was at the sacrifice of a few things. Brian, there were times where I would, as I mentioned earlier, I'd sleep at the office. There were times on Saturday mornings where I'd wake up, I'd set the alarm at four o'clock so I could leave the house before my wife and three kids were up, get to the office, work for a few hours, and hopefully be back to the house before they were having breakfast on Saturday morning. There were times when, in truth, th- th- this is kind of what was the, o- the overarching thing for me, was there were times when my kids would have sporting events, soccer games, or t-ball games or whatever the case may be and i would facetime them afterwards and ask him how the game went and that to me i mean i'm getting emotional sitting here talking about it that to me i eventually looked in the mirror and was like what are you doing why are you doing this you know who are you doing this for in truth be told the answer is i was doing it for myself that's back when i was you know insert role and insert company that was my identity i needed to change my own identity and so therefore i got in this personal development journey and said and i answered internally and it was a very hard thing to do i'll be honest with you it was a very hard thing to do to answer read who do you want to be in five and ten years who do you want what do you want your legacy to be how do you want to be known how do you want your kids to know you how do you want your wife to know you those are very hard questions to ask ourselves and be honest with but that's something that i had to do well yeah and thank you for sharing that it, it seems like the more conversations i have like this you know workaholism is a culturally sanctified and glorified way for a lot of us to function in America today. And it's for a lot of us, and I've been through this myself, if things at home aren't going well, or things in your head aren't going well, or you don't feel great, work is a really good numbing agent because like, it's always there and there's always more to do. And it's like allowable for our culture today to, oh, he's a hard worker. You talk about your dad or a friend, like he's a grinder, right? And it's this huge accolade for a lot of us, but it causes a lot of destruction as well if left unchecked. It absolutely does. <clears throat> and to your point, Brian, what's one of the, when you see, let, let's just make up an example. You see somebody that you maybe haven't seen a friend or a colleague or whatever the case may be that you haven't seen in a couple of months or even a couple of years and you run into them in the local coffee shop in the morning, you say, Hey, how are you? 80% of the time, the answer you're going to get is I'm so busy. Oh, I'm busy. I'm busy. You know, that's what we all say. We're programmed to say that almost as though it's a badge of honor, just like you said. But I now celebrate the person who is productive, but not busy, you know? What can we get done and, and what, how short a time frame can we get that done? Let's be productive and not busy. And have you, what have you found to, like, how have you framed this for men to be receptive to it or to, for your clients to be receptive to it? And how have you found it, you're able to help them progress and go to that self-actualization place? Yeah, great question. And- I'm going to invite the listeners and the audience to do something here in a minute too, if that's okay. A lot of it goes back to our initial conversations are, it gives them a free space, a comfortable space to be able to open up. I'm not a therapist. I'm not licensed, anything like that. And I don't claim to be, but I do care and I will listen. And when people understand that and they understand that they have, you have their best interest in mind and truthfully, not just on the surface level and not just through your words, and you can give them a space to open up and to be vulnerable, 
there's a lot of value in that. And it's similar to what you were talking about earlier. It, it, and what I would invite people to do is if you don't feel comfortable opening up yourself or being vulnerable, and I'm not saying go out and, you know, knock on your best friend's door at seven o'clock tonight when their kids are in bed and, and start, you know, shedding tears on their front patio. I'm not saying that, but it just even talking about your life and seeking counsel. If you don't feel comfortable doing that on your own, reach out to somebody and, ha- and make it reciprocal. Ask them, Hey, how are you doing? I've got a friend of mine that asks, how are you doing? And when I say I'm good, he pauses and he says, I'm going to ask that question. And I want you to be honest with me this time. Do that to your friends. You know, you'll be surprised at what kind of answers you'll get. Provide a space for other people to open up and it generates a lot of conversation. You can go pretty far in depth. And so to answer your question, when people feel comfortable in that space and feel comfortable to be able to open up and kind of let, we, we all have this little this pressure on our chest, so to speak, or this weight on our shoulders, however you want to put it. Once we can start to release that and let that go, all of a sudden, the, the root of the problems and some other things start opening up and that, that's what we can fix. You know, we don't want to fix the symptoms. We want to fix the root cause. Right. And unless we can open up, we are going to fix any root causes. We're only fixing symptoms and they're going to reappear 12 months from now. So. And what are the typical causes that you unearth? Are there some fairly common characteristics or fat patterns that you see over and over again with your clients? Yes and no. The, the the commonalities is that, similar to what I talked about earlier, the commonalities are, it's just, and again, I'm going back to, I don't want to alienate anybody, but I can speak towards the men that I have worked with. So I just want to be very clear in saying that. A lot of it has been in the pressure that men feel to perform. And as I mentioned, these especially over these last three and four years, there's been a lot of pressure. I see a lot of men who are, a lot of people who are working feel as though they are working harder, but only getting further behind. And that's true for a lot of people right now, for whatever reason. And so that pressure kind of continues to build. I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm checking these boxes, but I continue to feel further behind. And so what we do in that, or what human nature allows, gets us to do, is it forces us to neglect other areas of our life, right? I Because I feel like I'm getting further behind, I need to, and this is a kind of a common theme we've talked about today, Brian, is because I'm getting further behind, I need to put in more time. I need to work harder. I need to focus more on this. Well, what happens to your relationship? What happens to your marriage? What happens to your kids? What happens to your health? Most important, not most importantly, but very important. What happens to your health? All these other things get neglected. So we just try and kind of create that. Even though you feel pressure to perform in this area, let's not neglect these other areas. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that perspective is really helpful because I think there must be part of this with social media that the amplification of people's highlight reel and the disconnect between what a human feels like they're experiencing every day versus what they're seeing projected onto the screen as what other people are experiencing every day. That disconnect is creating a lot of anger and sorrow amongst a large population of people. I, I yeah, for, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Why do they have that and I don't? Why is their marriage perfect and mine's not? Guess what? I've got news for you. None of them are, you know? So yeah, absolutely. It creates a disconnect in a, you know, that only further amplifies that pressure. If you were to kind of give people some free advice here, 
if somebody's in kind of the meat of their career, they're in their 40s and they've got, you know, the spouse, children, they're trying to get their head right, they're trying to get their body right, they're trying to progress professionally. I mean, is there a holistic piece of advice or some type of, you know, something that you would impart to them if they're listening of where they should just start to have the conversation? Yes. There's two things I'll say in this. Getting to your point about starting is I'll have a lot of times where I meet with people initially and we'll have those conversations. What do you, you know, and we focus on health, career, relationships, and finances. And what they'll do is they'll say, well, they're highly motivated, right? And they say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to work out seven days a week. I'm going to eat. I'm exaggerating here on purpose. I'm going to work out seven days a week. I'm going to eat nothing but salads. I'm going to this, that, and the other. I said, hold on, slow down. Whatever you do, whatever you implement in order to do this has to be sustainable for a long period of time. Whatever period of time you determine, it has to be sustainable. I would much rather see somebody work out, go from not working out. And I'm just using health as, as an example here, Brian. I would much rather see somebody go from not working out at all to working out two days a week. And that, that workout consists of a 30-minute walk, opposed to saying, hey, in doing that for the next six months and eating a little bit healthier than saying, hey, then working out seven days a week for the next two weeks, and then you get burnt out on it, and you go right back to ground zero. So whatever you do, whether it be professionally, health, with your relationship, don't say we're going to go on a date night twice a week every single week because you're not going to. I'm just letting you know you're not going to. So do something that's sustainable is what I would say first. Do something that's sustainable. And then once you get, once that becomes a habit, once, once you get very comfortable with that, and that might take, some people it's going to take 30 days, some people it's going to take six months. Once you become comfortable with that, then step it up a little bit more, step it up a little bit more, but don't just jump off the bat right off the get-go. The other thing I'll say is that human nature I, I firmly believe that the most fulfilling thing we can do in life and something that is almost necessary to humans is to build. And that sounds like a very simple statement. People, when I say that, people say, well, Reed, what do you mean? To build. So, so don't remain stagnant. What we do is we can look and we say, hey, I'm going to build my career. I'm going to build my money. I'm going to build my finances, whatever that case. Well, what we do is we become stagnant in other areas of life. Always look to continue to build every across all areas of your life. And what that means is you can build yourself, you can build your health, you can build your relationship, you can build your mindset and your knowledge and your education. There's a lot of different areas you can build. Building might look like reading, going home at night, and instead of jumping on social media and turning on TV, you read for 10 minutes. That's it. As simple as that. Just ask yourself when you're doing something, what can I be building right now? Building can be going home, and instead of just kind of getting back in the grind and going through your daily routine, when your spouse is at home, sit down with your spouse for, again, 10 minutes. Don't take a whole lot of time. 10 minutes, ask them how their day was. Just have a conversation one-on-one. -on -one. And you don't have to get deep. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to solve all the problems of the world. But just these little things kind of filling your bucket, building is going to be the, the you know, is, is going to be the pillar on how we're going to continue in life and continue to get through this. So just... I would invite people just to focus on these little sustainable things that you can do in different areas of your life, different aspects of your life, just to continue to build. And guess what? Over a long period of time, over a period of time, you'll be amazed at the transition and what that can do 
in your health, in your life, in your job, in your relationship with your kids and, and anywhere else. I think that's well said. And the ability to kind of stack behaviors or mm -hmm. quote unquote good things on top of one another, no matter how small they are. Yeah. I do feel yeah. like we all wake up better if we have like some type of thing we're working towards or an improvement we're working towards. But the, I think the challenge is there's really no end to it. And, and there is sometimes no end I think for me in particular and for men in general, I think it's very hard to have things that there's no, there's no finish line. There's no transaction. There's no deal getting done that marks the end of it. It goes on forever, which can be a, a hard concept for us to swallow sometimes. Yeah, again, absolutely. Because obviously what, what we create our goals, there's always a finish line, right? I want to achieve X. I want to get to X. There's a finish line there. If we can get everybody to focus more on the pursuit of that rather than that itself, then we can get a lot further, right? Because what happens if we set these goals that I want to reach X and we fall a little bit short, well, then we get frustrated and we set ourselves back. But if we can get focused on the pursuit of X, then all of a sudden we can continue with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's well said. Well, Reed, I want to thank you so much for coming on. It's been tremendous. We'll have to do another one because we didn't get to half the stuff that I wanted to talk to you about. If people are interested in engaging with you, you put out a great newsletter and also some other good content. What's the best way for them to find out more? Yeah, no, Brian, I appreciate that. And thank you. Thank you for today too. I hope it was helpful with some practical information, nothing too high level. Yeah, my website is thekalergroup.co. And I, you know, I talk to people all the time. I feel my, my phone number, my email are all on there. I invite people to reach out. Uh, even if you just want to speak to somebody just to open up a little bit, you know, sometimes and explore, Hey, what does this look like? You know, do you have any practical ideas I can implement into my life today? Absolutely. I'd be happy to help you out with that and, and talk with anyone. And for our listeners, please do leave us a review. Let us know your favorite part of the conversation and read one question we ask folks to come on the show. Do you have a daily practice that helps bring peace to your life? I do. It's something that I actually just recently implemented. And it's hard for me to say because I was never a morning person. So a lot of people are going to say that, but I wake up about 30 minutes before anybody else in my household and I get 30 minutes of complete. Usually it's still dark outside, peace and quiet in the morning. And it just kind of lets me, it allows me to start my day out that way and get some clear thoughts before chaos ensues. Love it. Love it. I'm an early person as well. Well, Reed, yeah. thank you again for joining us. Keep up the good work. And I look forward to having you on again soon. You got it, Brian. I appreciate you. Everybody take care. Thank you for joining us for today's conversation on the Capital Club podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like, rate, and leave us a review. And please follow us on your favorite streaming platform so you never miss an episode. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Where's that dust coming from? 
Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.